0: feel like we record all the time now. Yeah, I got a lot of recording going on very soon. Lots of it. Both projects with Take 3
1: and then projects elsewhere. Lots of stuff. Oh, when is that? When are you recording for that secret thing? (sighs) We did come up with a date. I don't...
0: I think like the very beginning of June. Oh, cool. And I don't think it's a secret, but... Everyone will find out eventually. We just talked about this today. Give me one second. The sixth. <laughs> that's when we're doing it. I did mark it on my calendar. It's on my calendar. I have reminders. I think that's why I forgot it because I was like, "Oh, I, you know, I put my reminders. Everything's good. I can like free up my
1: headspace for some of this crazy other stuff that's happening in my life." So. so that's good. I'm excited to hear that. Whenever that happens, I can't wait. I'm excited. That word's off limits, but <laughs> I am. Okay, do you want to tell him what we're doing? Yes, we've done
0: a couple episodes. Scratch that. Nick has done a couple episodes on this podcast where he's recorded by himself. And I found a movie that I absolutely loved and wanted to talk about. And I, you know, pulled up my little text machine and I said, hey. Uh, how would you feel about me doing an episode on my own? I think it would be fun. I mean, you've you've done several on your own. Uh, maybe it can be my turn. And he said, uh, "Oh, let me pull up the text and don't and lie to these. Read people. what you said." He said, "Fuck you, royally. I love that you think that you are a part of this podcast. I own this podcast. You're nothing. You bend to my will. You suck. You'll never get an episode on your own." So instead of me talking by myself, it's going to be the both of us together talking about two movies. So I did my best, but ultimately I was overruled. And I'm supposed to say this. uh, He has me at gunpoint. I do as I'm told. And Nick is the leader of this podcast. So (laughs) we can proceed. Oh, my (laughs)
1: God. He was like, wait, no, I've seen this movie, too. I want to talk about it. (laughs) You said, can this be my one-off episode? And I was like, oh, do you not want me there? I've seen this movie three times, and I love it. And he's like, you could. I guess, like, I could – Absolutely, write a short essay about this, like you did for Just Mercy. And I said, It's up to you. If you want to be alone, I'll sit out, but I'll also gladly join you as well. That's not how I remember it. That's exactly what happened. I guess there's two sides to every story the truth, (laughs) (laughs) and then whatever you just said. So I will be talking about the film uh, Palm Springs. I have a lot of thoughts. I truly Uh, told you several times after that, too, that you should do this episode by yourself.
0: No, I know. I know. But now we kind of came to the conclusion that there is a movie that you would like to discuss as well. I think this movie comes from a franchise that means quite a bit to you. I think it's very important to you. And I figured we could just do another quick take episode. Is that so
1: bad? I love that you think that you get to call the shots in my podcast. Yeah, see, like I said, two sides. (laughs) See, it's circular. Okay. (laughs) You also told me that I had to go first. Yeah, you do, because I got a lot to say. Okay, so I'm talking about Spiral. For those of you who do not know Spiral from the Book of Saw is the ninth entry into the Saw franchise, a franchise that I have come to have actually extremely mixed feelings about. (laughs) The first six movies are ones that I could watch over and over and over again for the rest of my life. And you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love the convoluted narrative. I love the twists. I love the nasty traps. And I love that underneath the surface, there's also a decent message presented in each film. And then we get to the seventh and eighth entries. They are so bad that it took away all hope of returning to the magic for me. But this isn't a review about all of those films, although someday I would love to do that, for sure. (laughs) He just laughed at me. He's like, I'm never going to let him do that.
0: That is not true. (laughs) I have never
1: once shot down your idea about doing a quick take on the franchise. That is not true. This is about me giving my thoughts on Spiral, and to be honest, I am of two minds. And this is short, so don't worry (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should start out with the things that I enjoyed about Spiral. Okay. So Daryl Lynn who is the director of Saw 2 and 3 and 4 and Repo the Genetic Opera, by the way, Mm. is back in the director's chair, which made me excited because he directed Saw 3 and that's my favorite of the series. You could definitely tell that he infused some of the same style of the original movies and – I, I love that. It made me you know, feel at home. It's beautifully shot, and he makes grungy, horrifying death traps taking place during a heat wave look stunning, uh, which brings me to the death traps. There are about five or six in this film, and they are all gruesome and disturbing and awesome. I love every single one of them and would actually put one of them in my top five. That's the one that I was telling you about. Yeah, yeah. That, like, the way to get out of the trap is, like, so absolutely awful. I cannot – I mean, it's like, just kill me. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, transitioning over to the actors, I was really excited to see what Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock brought to the production. And honestly, if this film did not have them, they would be in trouble. They add a lot to the film. That's good. In ways I – I can't really explain without spoiling, but if for no other reason than that, I'm rooting for them maybe a bit harder because they're actually actors that I know and love in real life. The other actors all do a really good job too, but most of them are reduced to those typical cop movie tropes. Yeah. And that's going to lead us to the things that I really don't care for. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen the franchise, just know that it sort of makes sense that the whole Jigsaw setup might have changed over the years. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) And those changes that were made to Jigsaw's MO actually make sense. But as a fan of this series, I missed the staples of the franchise that were left out. And again, I can't say exactly what they were, but I think most people who are really, really, really into the first six might feel the same way. I I don't know any other way to say it than than that. Also, just like I said about the actors, the script feels pretty procedural, like almost as if a Saw plot was quickly added to an existing script, which has actually happened on this series before, but in my opinion with much less rough edges. The film was marketed to us as an attempt at taking the franchise in a different direction, revitalizing it, rebooting it with A-list talent. Well, that was exciting, especially after two awful sequels leading up to this. (laughs) But here's the thing. It still feels too much like one of the old Saw movies to really be anything new or original, which – would be totally okay with me, again, because I love those old movies. But if it's going to try and be another Saw sequel, it didn't feel Saw enough. You know, it's weird how that works, and I'm sure it sounds all muddled, but basically this movie seemed to try to have the best of both worlds and wound up not giving us enough of either side it was taking. Okay, all I'm saying is it would be worth going to see if you weren't, like, risking your life at the moment. I, re- I mean, it really is like there's enough good in it that I enjoy. <sighs> I don't know, man. Wait 45 days and it'll come on streaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And for the next movie, which they are definitely making, I hope that they continue this story because it does leave you on a like, oh, shit. I hope that they continue this story with these remaining characters. I just hope <laughs> that they – yeah, because like some, a Wait, lot of them die. Uh, do people die in this movie? Oh my god. Yeah. What? Uh, I just really hope that they pick a lane instead of trying to like straddle the line because it, it just did not work for me in this one.
0: So I have I have two questions here. Would this movie work for someone who maybe saw the first two movies of this franchise, said it was like, oh, it's just gore porn now. I can't subscribe to this. As someone who has maybe checked out of the franchise, does it work as a movie that would maybe
1: bring them back in? No. Okay. (laughs) I do not think that this is going to change your mind on Saw. Okay. But one thing this movie does have working in its favor and I think really probably influenced their decision to call it something other than Saw 9, probably the same reason they named it Jigsaw, although Jigsaw had a lot more to do with those prior stories than this one does, is that you really can go into this knowing nothing. Nothing. They don't reference the other eight movies really at all. Maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I was someone who wasn't comparing it to eight other films. Yeah, yeah. I will say it is reassuring to know that the
0: other ones aren't really referenced. I haven't seen the last couple in a very long time, and... And now I don't feel as compelled to go and rewatch them to prepare for this movie, because I do want to see it eventually. Question number two, though, is how would you
1: rate this movie? I would probably give this movie a six out of 10. Okay, And that's coming from someone who rated the first four movies higher than that. And the sixth one. Okay, It's upsetting, I think. Maybe I was just really expecting it to be something special, so my hopes were higher. Normally you know after two shitty sequels you don't go into the next one thinking oh yeah things are going to be great but but it makes sense there's like a f-
0: completely new crew you have a very different batch of actors you have some like pretty high a-list actors in this Yeah. In this movie, Well,
1: you have the same director, but it's a director I absolutely love, so... Yeah, yeah. I was really expecting high marks, and when it didn't reach that, I think maybe I was a little bit more let down than I should have been, and that's probably why it took me a little bit to really think about it, because I I had told you that I would give you my thoughts. You and Jaden, I was, like, all prepared to just spew at the mouth for a while. And I walked out of the theater. I'm like, I don't know what the hell to say. I don't know (laughs) how I feel. I feel like we need to stop uh, making
0: promises before we watch movies. I I feel like there's been several movies where we're kind of like, oh yeah, we're going to record a quick take on this. and Then we go and see him and we're leaving the theater. Like we can't do this. (laughs) We can't do
1: this. nothing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Some movies just like, you just don't feel like talking about. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I mean, I hope that you're able to rewatch it and maybe get a better relationship
1: with it, and maybe your thoughts will change. I don't know. Um, yeah, I look forward to that. I'm excited to watch it with you and Jaden. Yeah, we got to do that when it comes out on streaming. Like you've even peaked, if you've f- already seen it, I, like I want to watch it with you guys when it comes out on streaming. Yeah, you've certainly piqued my interest. I do want to watch it eventually. So uh,
0: someday, someday we will. And I'm excited to learn that there's a sequel
1: coming. I did not realize that 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 was going to be a thing. Yeah. Well, thanks. So in the midst of all of your bullshit, did you even say what movie you were doing? (laughs) Probably. Maybe. If I didn't, it's Palm Springs. That's the movie that I'm going to be talking about today. So this episode has Palm Springs (laughs) and Spiral. (laughs) This is as strange of a mix as when we did Lilo and Stitch and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades, yeah. (laughs) I think it's more like
0: uh, we're we're updating. This is just like a small update, and we we have seen movies and we want to talk about them,
1: and that's what we do here. So we're making some colossal episodes right now. So this is a (laughs) uh, a good one to hold you guys over until those come out. (laughs) Palm Springs. I'm going to spoil the shit out of this movie.
0: If you have not seen it, you should watch it. It is on Hulu. It is honestly probably one of the best movies I've seen in many years. Uh, It is a damn near flawless movie. I just have one huge blaring problem with it, and we'll get to that in a bit. The editing that went on to achieve such perfect comedic timing in this movie is genius. Uh, I loved the music. I loved the score. I loved the opening scene when we, quote, first see Niall and Sarah together. I know obviously that is not the first time that they've seen each other, but it's the first time that we see them with, with each other. And he's dancing with everyone at the wedding party and he knows all of the moves that they're doing. And he's like weaving his, he's doing this perfect dance, like within the audience and picking up each other's drinks and Uh, And then giving them back to them when they come back around. And it's just like a beautifully choreographed scene. It's so funny, super clever, loved it. And like watching it a second time, it has a whole new meaning because you suddenly know why he's able to do that. It's because he's done it a million times. Part of me was always kind of waiting for a moment where we were told that the bartender was also stuck in this loop. For some reason, the bartender is just this like wacky character, like this really kind of strange character that's in there. And I thought it would be really, really funny if like she was just the right amount of demented and passionate that she just wanted to bartend for the rest of eternity. And she was just having a blast serving alcohol to this random uh, wedding party. (laughs) I I loved the bartender like that when she's in the car jerking him off and she's like, yeah, I hit a guy with my car once or something like that. (laughs) It's so funny. I rewound the part where he takes the bomb out of the cake and then she comes out with a French accent and she's like oh you've, I'm not going to do a French accent but she's like you foiled my plan. <laughs> so goddamn funny. I rewound it probably 12 times. It's uh, I also the cast. Perfect. I think you said it we were talking about this to Kayleen maybe I think when we were recording and you were like the these two together, uh, Adam Sandberg and not Adam Sandberg. Holy Andy shit. Sandberg. Andy Samberg and... Christina Milioti, Milioti. Yeah, her. Milioti, I don't know how you pronounce it. But yeah, they're, they're great. They're great together. There's also just a ton of like scientific theories that arise with something like this. Like, If at the end Sarah did end up going in and blowing herself up, like, would Niles be able to relive the same day the next day and pull her in again and just have her loop again? Like, what if someone went to the cave a day before the wedding? Are they stuck like in that loop the day before or even after? Doesn't that mean that there's infinite caves? And with Roy coming back in the end credits, does that mean that Niles' night repeats and then he gets stuck in the cave loop again? Because there's really nothing that changes because it's the same. It's 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 mind blowing and it's crazy. But I just I love the concept. I think it's very very clever. But now we get to dig into some philosophy. <laughs> Here we go. I first want to challenge the idea that this is really much less of Niles' movie than we're being presented. I think it's very much showing his... I mean, it's both of them, but I think the concentration is him. And I want to challenge that idea. I really, really think it is more about her than we're led to believe. I think we get copious amounts of Sarah's backstory and history. Uh, According to her... She said it in her own words that's necessary. It's necessary to know someone's backstory. But anytime she asks Niles about his, he like seizes up or he changes the subjects or he just deflects altogether. And we know nothing about Niles' history. The only time he opens up about anything is at the very, very end when he reveals that he has a dog. <laughs> and that's it. Like that is, that's it. And even Sarah's surprised. So, like, even she wasn't let in on on, like, some of the most important things of his life. There is a real, like, hetero battle of the sexes thing happening, I think. Niles chooses to spend an eternity getting good at darts and drinking and having sex and just, uh, like he says, accepts his suffering of existence. And then suddenly you put a female in this terrarium and he's going to catch some feelings. And he does, obviously, very hard. Uh, Whereas Sarah, on the other hand... She's waking up every day to her biggest mistake. And she's angry with the idea that everything is meaningless. And I think in this time loop, that really is what it is. Like there is really no consequence to their situation.
1: I love that you don't even realize that she's waking up to a huge mistake. Yeah. I've seen it three times now. It plays (laughs) differently once you know that. Yeah, for sure. And I should have
0: seen it coming, and I didn't, and I'm angry at myself for that. But
1: (laughs) But a good um, twist. I mean, you like a good twist that you can't predict. A great twist,
0: definitely. So again, she's angry with the idea that everything's meaningless, and she decides to spend her time becoming a fucking quantum physicist. (laughs) Amazing. So now let's... Let's go to the conversation that Niles has with Roy. Now, up to this point, Niles is, like, heartbroken and butthurt that his love is, like, no longer seeing him. She's disappeared to become this scientist, uh, and she's pretty much just abandoned him. But Niles is aware of Roy's feelings about marriage being a bottomless pit of sorrow. He, He states that, which I think is really reflective of Sarah's feelings and not Niles. And I think that the conversation that he has with Roy in Irvine is really meant for us to kind of translate that into Sarah's situation and not Niles.
1: Yeah, okay. I I can understand that. There's really nothing
0: in that conversation that Niles would have taken away feeling better about. They didn't focus on Niles' problem. They really focused on Sarah's. That's what I believe. I get that. So fast forward to Sarah waking up Niles and finally telling him the theory of how they're going to get out of this trap, out of this loop. At first, this is great news, but there is a catch, obviously. And then suddenly there's a threat to this system. There's a way out, but it comes with a, a gamble. And that gamble is that like you could either die or you could be propelled into any number of dimensions. She has no idea how it's going to work it's still a gamble nonetheless, and it's a way for her to get out of this nightmare. It's a way for her to stop waking up to her worst morning every single day. And this alone, this gamble, is like exploding with philosophical questions. Like pun fully intended, it is it, it opens up this gate of of so many things. And the word meaningless gets tossed around a ton in this movie. And I think that's because everything, it's its obvious because everything just restarts. So there are no consequences. There, There really is nothing that they could do that would have a consequence that is not solved immediately after they wake up the next morning. Unless they hurt each other or do something to each other. Yeah, except when it comes to them being together because they remember things. Like that's the only thing that follows through onto the next day. So consequences only matter to the both of them together. Mm-hmm. Which is what Niles was trying to tell Sarah when she hit Roy with a police car. Niles says things like, feelings matter. Pain matters. Like, he he understands this concept and is trying to convince Sarah of the same thing. And she's trying to juggle with this idea of, like, this is all... It doesn't matter anyway, so just, like, fuck it. Who cares? And he's like, no, it actually... It kind of does matter. So, is it better to live eternity with someone you love in a meaningless world where nothing else matters? Or is it better to take the jump and risk your life, and live where your love and relationship could have meaning. Niles wants the former, Sarah wants the latter, obviously. Niles is very, very against doing this jump, because he's scared that, like, you know, what if there's no after, and, and then I don't have you anymore. And I think everything, everything is answered at the very end outside of the cave. The dilemma of the movie is completely solved at this moment. The conflict is totally fixed it is resolved when niles says he says this he says quote ellipses i hope that blowing ourselves up works but it's really irrelevant to me that is the moment that is the moment where all of the conflict in the whole movie is solved it is a beautiful touching moment he can admit to himself that he'd rather take that chance as long as it means that he is with her he'd rather die with her than live in a world without her That's it. Like, that's the movie. This whole movie was never, ever about whether or not they could get out of the predicament. It's really about can love persist? What does love even mean if the environment around love is meaningless? Can it exist? Like, is is there any alternative outside of that reality that would like, would you gamble on your love? Like, would you bet on your love and that kind of thing? Like, that's it. Emphatic period. Cut to black. But then it doesn't it has to tell us that what they did worked. And I was hoping so, so hard watching this movie that after the explosion, it would just, it would just end. And I was, I was, I should have ended it and I didn't. And I, I just really, really hate the scene that, that, Resolves everything in the end where where they're in the pool again. I hate it so much. It crumbled that whole like beautiful moment for me having seen them like in the pool together. Everything up to that point. I think this is like a perfect movie. And any other time I watch it, I'm just going to stop it at the very end. Okay.
1: So like when a horror movie ends and the killer dies, there's normally that tag on scene where you see things going back to normal for the person. It's a way that we're able to see that what they did mattered. Right. Now, in this movie, they solved the problems because, again, it was a relationship issue rather than them just being stuck in a time loop. And kudos on you for seeing something like that because most viewers probably won't see that. And that's why they need that tag-on scene at the end. They want that reassurance that what just happened mattered. Maybe the movie went on a little bit too long. It still answered all the same questions that you wanted answered. Is it that big of a problem that you get to see that it worked, that their gamble paid off? It basically makes
0: this movie solely about, like, can they get out? Can they beat this loop that they're in? And I I think with how scientifically beautiful this is and how philosophically beautiful this is, it kind of tarnishes the
1: whole movie. Because you were able to pick up on a lot of the philosophical meanings of this film and the themes that it was exploring, you were hoping for one ending. But for people who didn't pick up on those things and did not see what you saw, they needed the happy ending. And if you'd have gotten your way, they wouldn't have gotten their happy ending. But because they got their happy ending you can still shut the movie off. (laughs) So I'm still voting that it stays the way it is.
0: I do not claim to be a philosopher. I do not claim to be a scientist. I think... Wait, really? Obviously, yeah, har har. I'm not any master storyteller or movie maker. This is purely uh, just personal thoughts. I just think that this particular movie would have been a lot stronger if it had just omitted the
1: last couple minutes of the movie. I don't think that anybody – I mean, I'm certainly not. I don't think anybody would think that you're saying any of those things. But you are looking at this movie in a way that most people aren't. And I think what they needed to do because they were trying – because this is show business, they needed to be able to play to a wide audience and give their audience an ending that is maybe not concrete is the word, but just some resolution Whereas your story at face value offers no resolution. I understand that everything is resolved and I I totally get that. Like that makes complete sense. But for most people, the resolution comes when you find out that they actually made it. I do understand that. And I think the reason
0: I feel like this is brought up often. This is a very big problem that I have with Hollywood. Uh, this, this, Idea that that movies are a business, and I really, really hate that. And I hate that movies aren't taking risks. And I think this is just me projecting the idea that I wish we didn't have to appease. I don't want to say the lowest common denominator, but like, I I, I wish money wasn't a factor. I wish that like they didn't make decisions based on. I don't even know if the writer of this movie had any of these philosophical ideas in mind when writing it. That's completely valid and completely that's fine if, if that's not what the case was. I just think from like an artistic perspective and from a movie making perspective,
1: I just think it would have been a lot stronger. That's all. I'm advocating for a mix of both because then you get a movie that has these deep themes and motifs and All of this meat to chew on, and then you also get a movie that gets seen by an even larger audience because of the platform it's on. I've got to advocate for it staying the way it is, even though I totally see your point. Obviously, I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. I do, however, have the luxury
0: of turning it off the next time I watch it. I can just end the movie when I want to, which I will. I feel so strongly about it because movies like this are rare. I think feeling so strongly about a movie like this is rare for me and it meant a lot. And there were a lot of really strong plot points and relationships and questions and, uh, the way it challenged the way I thought, like I've, I learned a lot from this movie and I really, it's hard finding a movie without flaws like i I truly do believe that up until that last point it is a
1: flawless movie like i can't find anything wrong with it yeah everybody this is a man whose favorite movie is annihilation so if you're looking for endings that don't uh give you much resolution
0: (laughs) i don't know i I, there is something in that there's something I forget who It might have been the girls who were bringing this up, but someone was talking about like the the briefcase in Pulp Fiction or the secret, to the like the Krabby Patty formula. Like if those things were revealed, then I just I don't like being spoon fed things. I don't like like I, I do think there's merit in things being open to interpretation. And I just with a movie as good as this one, it just made me sad that 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 happened. I understand. I totally do. This is also not me saying that you shouldn't go see this movie. I think everyone should watch this movie. It is so fucking funny. It's hysterical. It's a great movie. It is sad. It is beautiful and kind of gory at some parts. (laughs) I forgot how gory it was upon the second viewing. But um, yeah, one of my favorite movies and I can't recommend it enough.
1: I'm so glad. Did I dream it or was there a SpongeBob episode where plankton finds out that the Krabby patty formula has plankton in it there is
0: an episode where like he brings his whole family and capture and captures
1: the mr
0: krabs and squidward and spongebob i th- i had to have been revealed at the end that like that wasn't the real formula oh, i'm okay. almost positive that there was some kind of
1: okay i was like that's kind of dark there.
0: yeah <laughs> do you, i do have a question did you have any thoughts the first time that you watched this about the ending or did you, did you just accept it?
1: Like, I was happy. And that's, okay, that's completely valid. I definitely could tell that this movie was more about their relationship. But like, I didn't see it as a bad thing that we got to see them sort of be happy outside of the time loop. Yeah. Well, that was fun, everybody. I hate myself.
0: Why do you hate yourself? I always feel so silly. I don't know because like when I'm writing notes for this kind of stuff, I'm I was like I was watching the movie and I was writing on my phone. I was like, "God, this is this is the one of the best movies I've ever seen." I'm writing all this great shit, and then I read it on this podcast. I'm like, "You're a fucking idiot. This is stupid."
1: (laughs) No, it's not, guys. This is bullshit, and no one cares. He's really excited about this. Everybody, let's give claps for Jordan. Don't do that. Don't pity me. I'm not pitying you. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you way to go stay tuned for
0: next week there's better things coming i promise (laughs) or someday
1: (laughs) let's not let's not commit (laughs) yeah this episode is definitely going to be called claps for jordan don't do that don't you're the one that makes the the episode title graphic so you can name it whatever the fuck you want you can name it fuck you nick good maybe i will We'd probably get shut down or something,
0: or reported, maybe. Or report my foot up your ass. (laughs) Stay away from red glowing caves, everybody.